Welcome to Midtown West. Uh, for those who haven't been here before, if I haven't met you, I'm Matt. I'm the pastor here uh, and would love to meet you. So, um, yeah, nothing weird's going to happen, I promise. But uh, if, if I haven't met you yet, I'd love just after the service, if you've got the time to just come introduce yourself, that'd be awesome. Um, we are, let's see, do we, we don't have any, do we have an announcement slide? Let's do it. Okay. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Um, okay, so two things. Uh, one is we gather for weekly prayer um, via Zoom because that just seems to be the, the easiest. We started that during the pandemic, and that has continued to be a good thing. So uh, Thursday morning, 6 a.m., uh, really important for us because if we are going to be a body of people, like Paul talks about the individual and the the, the whole body of Christ, but also like each individual body, if we're going to be joined together, the, the same unity that the parts of a body are joined together, then we're going to need to speak to our Father and hear from our Father together. And so this is a way that we do that uh, each week. So if you get our weekly emails, the Zoom link is there. If, if you don't, let us know and we'll get you on there, but we'd love to have you come be a part of that. And uh, also giving. Um, giving is something that the Lord calls us to do because um, in his design, he uses uh, the way that his people fan out into the world to work in the marketplace uh, to enable this, his worshiping people to continue. But really, uh, underneath all of that, even um, giving is more for us. Um, the Lord is the Lord, and he, this is his world and everything in it, and he is sovereign and he is in control. So it's not that um, he is saying, please, would you give because I really need you? He's saying, um, please give because you need to be transformed. And this is one of the ways that I do that. This is one of the spiritual practices that I do that. So if you're visiting, um, no need to give, just welcome. We're glad you're here. If this is your place where you are plugged into the body of Christ, then um, if you've not, never given, if you want to talk to somebody about that, let us know uh, and we can talk about that. Um, and happy Father's Day, guys. Happy Father's Day. Um, okay, so we are continuing our sermon series in the Song of Solomon. We're calling this the Summer of Love. And uh, last night, Lee and I got to go to uh, something that I thought was very cool. Um, <laughs> the, we saw, we went to the Schmimmer, Schmimmerhorn. Um, I just like saying that word. It's fun. And we saw the symphony play the score to Back to the Future. Uh, it was really cool. And then as we walked around during intermission and I was seeing who else was there, I had this like revelation and I came and sat back down and I was like, Lee, I'm a nerd. Because <laughs> everyone here, we are all nerds. And she was like, yeah, I don't know like why you just <laughs> figured this out. Um, but it made me think, uh, who, who's seen Back to the Future? I'm just curious. Okay, good. Um, that was like my movie as a kid. That was like my like most go-to core movie that probably shaped me in good and bad ways. But um, if you remember, I was just thinking about where we're going this morning. And one of the scenes from the movie, Marty McFly goes back in time and he is, uh, intervenes when his mom is supposed to meet his dad because his dad was hit by the car, but instead he gets hit by the car. And so she has this Florence Nightingale syndrome for Marty, and she thinks that he is so cute, and uh, she is just totally smitten with him. And she doesn't know, how could she, that this is actually her son from 30 years into the future. So uh, if we want to think about her desire, um, her feelings for him are not healthy. I think we could all agree with that. Um, 
But she doesn't know that, right? She has no way of knowing that. Um, and so that is just a, a little vignette, a little picture for us, just to allow us to be curious and open, and maybe we don't understand our own desires as much as we think we do. Um, let that picture be a, an illustration and a window into the possibility that maybe we don't fully understand our desires and which desires are healthy and which desires are not healthy. Um, and so I want to start with this question. Um, how do you talk to God about your sexual desire? Maybe an implicit second question is, do you talk to God about your sexual desire? You know, is this the kind of thing where um, I talk to, you know, sort of treat God like a, a clueless parent of like a high school student, and it's like I talk to God about everything else, and then this is just this little area that I keep over here and just pretend like, you know, he doesn't know, and, and I just keep that from him? Or is this like um, my sexual desires are so, make me feel so ashamed that it actually keeps me from talking to him at all about much of anything because this is like dominating me and how I, how I see myself. Um, so that's where we're going today is we're talking about desire. Um, we're talking about desire and how whether you know it or not, whether you're aware of it or not, your desire, your sexual desire, um, but all of your desire is shaping you and it's, it's leading you. It's um, leading you down a path ultimately toward either life or death. And these desires, uh, again, whether we pretend they're not there or we indulge them or whatever we do, they are shaping us um, all the time. And so it is, is vitally important that we understand them and kind of learn how to bring them to Jesus. So um, who's reading our passage this morning? Brad, come on up, man. We are, uh, as Brad's coming up, if you want to turn there, we're in Song of Solomon, chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. It says... Uh let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for your love is better than wine. Your anointing oils are fragrant. Fragrant. Your name is oil poured out, therefore virgins love you. Draw me after you and let us run. The king has brought me into his chambers. We will exalt and rejoice in you, and we will extol your love more than wine. Rightly do they love you. This is the word of the Lord. Father, as we, um, as we open your word, as we uh, want to hear you speak to us through your word, we ask that you would make us open, Lord. I ask that you would um, make all of our hearts very open and soft to you, uh, Lord, that you could come and speak to us, that you could um, move through the, the dead layers that have accumulated from uh, pain and wrong thinking and ignorance and sin and rebellion and um, uh, the effects of rebellion and our shame and, and guilt and all these different things, Lord. Uh, all of this, Lord, you are powerful. You are the one who can break through all of this and uh, make us new and continue your beautiful work of transformation and maturity. So, Lord, would we be so open to you? Uh, would we allow you to be the foundational uh, voice of truth um, in, in the matters of desire and the desires of our own hearts, Lord, would, we, um, would you open us up to you? Would we bring everything to you? Would you teach us how to submit to you and how to sit with you 
and allow you to cultivate us and cultivate these desires uh, in a way that gives life. And so, Lord, would you do that this morning? Would you uh, keep your promise to not leave us unchanged? In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so um, before we jump into the passage, just to talk about desire. Um, we, you know, we said last week, uh, last week was the intro to this series. If you didn't hear it, I think it would be worth going back and listening. We got it recorded now. Um, we are made in God's image. And more than anything else, God is a lover. God is a lover more than anything else. And so as, as people made in God's image, he has made us to be lovers. He has made us with desire. And so this idea of, of having desire is, is a product of being made in God's image. It's being human. So the issue that we have is not with sexual desire in general. That is a good thing. That is from the Lord. The issue that we have is with lust. Because lust is inordinate desire. It's desire that refuses to submit to God. And so because of sin, um, we, we know from the account of the fall of, of sin entering the world and warping and marring and deforming things, it, it, it doesn't, nothing is untainted by sin. The physical world, the way that we think, our desires, our wills, everything is affected by sin. And so now that we live on this side of the fall, which is uh, the first sin, sin entering into the world, um, we don't always desire good things. And even when we desire good things, we desire them in wrong quantities, um, at the wrong time, uh, in the wrong order. And so um, now we can't just follow our desires. Now we have to take our desires captive and uh, submit them and, and figure out what to do with them. Proverbs 19.2 uh, tells us this, says, desire without knowledge is not good. Because remember, desire is this powerful engine. And so what we do when we get out of bed every morning is shaped by what we desire and what we want and what we want to have and what we want to, to find for ourselves and get for ourselves. And so if we don't understand our desires, we are going to be led down all sorts of roads, most of them not good because we have desire without understanding. And so what the Lord is calling us to is saying, you have to not, not pretend they're not there. We're going to get into that in a second. But like you have to take them captive and you have to bring them to me and let me, um, let me lead you. Uh, so there's three places that we go with our sexual desire. Um, the first option is to deny it, is to try to, try to squash it and pretend it's not there. Um, this is dishonest and this is inhumane. <laughs> Uh, there's a really, really uh, famous old sermon called The Expulsive Power of a Greater Affection by uh, a guy named Chalmers. And uh, a lot of what he says in that is basically um, we are taking the wrong approach when we just tell people who desire wrong things and desire sin to just stop desiring and just cut that off. Because that is cruel. Because the human heart was made to desire. It was made to move toward desire. And so when you take away the object of desire without replacing it with a greater object, that's cruel and that's inhumane. And so he's saying uh, the way that this works is actually uh, you need to keep those desires alive and stay awake to them and stay present and engage with them and let the Lord shape them and reshape them. But you do not deny them. You do not uh, close them down because then those desires start to get expressed and they start to come out sideways. And so um, it's, it's really important for us to remember that the first sexual thought in the universe was God's. It was not a man with a mustache and a members-only jacket. 
It was the Lord of the universe who created sexuality and created humans in his image and created sexual desire and sexual fulfillment. And so if we, if we deny these desires and pretend like they're not there, we actually become less human. And so a little side note here is to recognize beauty and attraction is, is not a sin. To lust and to, and to allow that to take a hold in us uh, and lead us to places that are not submitted to Jesus, that is sin. But when we recognize beauty in the world and in another human, um, that just means that we're human and we're, we are created in God's image. Um, so that's, that's the first place we can go with our desires, to deny it. The second place we can go is to indulge it. And this is way too shallow. Um, it means that I've forgotten who I am and I've forgotten who you are. Because when I, when I indulge my sexual desire, uh, that means I'm taking it out of the context of following Jesus. I'm taking it out of the context of being submitted to God. And, and it always means I'm taking it out of the context. I'm taking sex and sexual desire out of the context of covenant love. And that's just entirely too shallow. It would be like uh, if I went to some amazing restaurant like Audrey, and um, every time I went, I just uh, sat down and ordered dessert. And that's the only thing I ever ate. And it's like, that's, it's not healthy, it's not nourishing, it's not the, the joy and the gift of feasting. Um, it's like bypassing all of this deep goodness to this thing that just immediately gives me like a, a sugar high but leaves me feeling empty and gross um, if that's all that I ever did. And so that's, that's like, it, when we indulge these desires, um, it's forgetting who we are. It's a refusal to submit. Um, James 4.2 says, you desire and you don't have, so you murder. Uh, you covet and you can't obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You, you don't have because you don't ask. And so what James is painting a picture of is this like, this refusal to submit, refusal to say no to myself. It's just chasing all of these desires to whatever end I feel like I wanna chase them to. Uh, and you see what it does here. It says you desire and you don't have, so you murder. So, so people become tools in my, in my journey to get whatever I want on my terms, however I want, whenever I want, to whatever extent. And so that is um, playing into the hands of the enemy because it's seeing myself as subhuman. I'm some animal that just needs to get my cravings filled. Uh, and it's actually seeing you as subhuman. Uh, you're just a tool for me to use to feel good. Um, and that's not how the Lord created us to live. And so, um, and actually just a little side note here, that's not freedom either. Um, there, there's a message out there. I mean, Sigmund Freud was a proponent of this message, but um, there's a uh, message for a lot of voices in our culture that like the, one of the most core things about us, maybe the core thing about us is our sexual desire. And we've got to, to follow that to its ends in order to be fully alive and be fully human. Um, but the question you've got to answer, every one of us has to answer for ourselves is who's telling the truth about which one is slavery and which one is freedom? Because to me, that's not freedom. <laughs> to, to what the Lord says in scripture, that's not freedom, that's slavery. Um, I am a slave to this body that I live in and its urges. And it is gonna drag me all over the world trying to fulfill its urges and I'm just along for the ride. That's not freedom. Um, what the Lord talks about is freedom uh, and we're gonna get into that as we go. But these two ways to deny our sexual desires or to indulge them are both 
uh, preventing us from experiencing union because both with Jesus because both of these things happen apart from him to deny them or to indulge them. And the third way is the way that this passage is driving us is to submit ourselves, all of ourselves, but including our sexual desires to Jesus and allow him to cultivate them. Allowing Jesus to cultivate our sexual desire and ultimately, um, whether we're celibate for the rest of our lives or we're married with a hundred children, to come to him and allow him to cultivate our sexual desires leads to deep freedom and deep intimacy with him. Psalm 37.4, you're going to hear this passage a lot over the summer. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Um, If he is the lover of our soul, our very husband, shouldn't we be talking with him about these most intimate things? So this is the direction we're going, and and we're going to follow the woman in this passage to this. So first, um, what she desires. Um, She comes out of the gates swinging, (laughs) She doesn't want to just meet this guy. She doesn't want to just have coffee with this guy. She wants this guy, like completely. She wants this guy. Um, She is full of desire. She wants every part of him. Kiss me, make love to me. Your love is better than wine. When she uses that phrase, that is such a sensory description. It's so rich. And you think about wine being intoxicating and delighting and, and making us feel free, and it's awakening all of our senses. She's saying, I want this with you. I want this sexual experience with you. And she is not married to this man. She is a single woman at this point. She is a single woman who is desiring this with this man. But pay attention to what it is that she actually wants. She does want sexual fulfillment with this man, but she wants it in the context of covenant love. She wants that sexual fulfillment in the context of healthy, strong, submitted desire in, in covenant love. She wants him physically, but she also wants him emotionally and spiritually in his whole character. What is attractive to her is not just his appearance, but it's who he is. She says, um, your love is better than wine. Your name is oil poured out. Your name is this fragrant, um, you know, oils were used for cologne and, and drawing and, and giving pleasant aroma, but they were also used for healing. And she's saying your name, like who you are, your very person, your, your character, your presence is healing. It's, it's refreshing. It leads to flourishing. Um, it is de- he is desirable on these deep, like multidimensional levels. So she desires him for who he is, his, his character, his godliness, his righteousness, and his, his physical attraction. But it's, it's all... Um, it's all wrapped up together. It's inseparable. And, and you know, you can, you can believe uh, that what she has in mind here in this passage, she's not dreaming of a one-night stand. She's not saying, man, I, I just wish you would come and, like, use me and then, like, leave in the morning. That's not what she's talking about. It's like what C.S. Lewis says. I mean, you all have probably heard this quote before, but it's, it's to, you know, to only desire this physical sex apart from covenant union is like, uh, it's just too shallow. Um, and he says, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We're half-hearted creatures fooling around with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered to us. Like an ignorant child who wants to make mud pies in the slum because he can't imagine what's meant by an offer of a holiday at sea, we're far too easily pleased. 
Um, we, we make the mistake a lot of times of thinking that our sexual desires that are incomplete or unhealthy are too strong, but they're actually too weak. They stop too short because what we desire more than anything is, uh, remember from last week, what we desire more than anything is steadfast love. What we desire more than anything is union. And, and yes, for those who are moving toward marriage or married, union with your spouse, but more than that, for everyone, is union with Jesus, is this deeply felt and, and enjoyed and experienced union uh, with our, the lover of our souls. And so she has this deep longing for this man uh, that is on all levels. And so what does she do with this longing? She doesn't ignore it, and she doesn't just indulge it. She submits it to this man. Uh, which is ultimately a picture of us submitting it to Jesus because um, she is calling for him, draw me after you. Like she's saying, I'm not the one who can just, just act on this in my own terms. You have to draw me. You are the one I'm submitting to you. I have to wait for you. I have to um, see, see what you have to say about this. Um, but you are the one that has to draw me. Draw me after you and fulfill these longings that I have. You are the one that has to draw me, and then I will run after you. Um, I will run with you to the marriage chamber. I will run with you to the marriage bed. To the marriage bed where, yes, we have sex, but what else do we do? We also, that is where we have our deepest, most intimate, private moments. That is the place where we come to know each other in all ways. That is the place where two become one in every way imaginable. And she's saying, I want this experience with you um, but you have to draw me. And so, of course, um, that's our story with Jesus. He has to draw us. Because of our sin and our deadness and our blindness and our, our slavery, um, John 6.44 says, no one can come to me unless the Father draws him. Uh, this is a continual drawing. And so it's this, it's this encouragement to us to cry out to him. Like, you are our deepest desire. Whether I feel that in the moment or something else feels stronger, I know, I know that you are the deepest desire of my heart, so please draw me after you. You are the one that has to do this. You are the one that has to unearth my heart when it is cold and dead and is deceived, and you have to wake it up, and you have to melt it again for the millionth time, and you have to draw me after you. And so, um, in John 12, 32, it says this, Jesus says, when I am lifted up, I will draw all people to myself. And here's, here's where we're going with this. This woman says, um, your name is oil poured out. Your name is healing. Your name is refreshing. Um, and it, it points to this picture of Jesus who we have. His, his name, Jesus, means God saves. He's also called Emmanuel, which is God with us. Um, it is his name poured out. It is this God who would come and be with us. It is this God who would experience all of life with us. And then he would go and suffer in our place because we are, we are the runaway bride. We are the bride who uh, refuses to be wooed. We are the bride who wants to look for love in every single place except for in him. And he said, no, 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 I've made a covenant with you. I love you and I'm not going anywhere and I'm putting on human flesh and I'm coming in to, to take your place, to take the place uh, of God's wrath being poured out for sin um, on you, it's now going to be poured out on me. 
because this is, this is absolutely necessary for me to make a way for you to have this union with me that you were made for, uh, for all eternity. And so he does that. And it's, it's this Jesus who Isaiah 53, 2 says, um, he had no beauty that we should desire him. Um, you know, Jesus as a man, though, if you want to put it in our terms, like what the world says is beautiful and what the world celebrates, um, he would not have been celebrated. He had no beauty that we would desire him. But he is the most beautiful man that's ever lived because of who he is and because of what he's done and because how he loves us. And so this Jesus, um, you know, as we are these half-hearted creatures fooling around with drink and sex, this Jesus, the only one who knows love, the author of love, has come and he has shown us love in his sacrifice for us. He has poured himself out. This one who is God who saves, this one who is God with us has poured himself out and laid himself down so that we could experience love with him forever. And so um, if we are not there, when we are not there, um, we need to be crying out, draw us after you. Because I don't care who I desire or what I desire, no one compares to you. No one can love me the way that you can love me. No one can come and do the things I need them to do. No one can bring the transformation that I need to experience freedom. No one can satisfy my body, mind, soul, every part of me the way that you can. So please draw me after you and let us run together because this is where I'm gonna find life. And the way that he draws us after him more than anything else is to see him on the cross, to see his love displayed. It's not just that he is a, a poet and is saying beautiful flowery things to us. It's he's saying, look at my life. Look at how much I desire you. Remember, this is a two-way street. Look at how deeply I desire you that I would, I would humble myself to this place. I would be, I would be absolutely uh, enduring the, the most heinous, uh, shaming behavior. I've been spat upon. I've been cursed. I've been denied. I've been cast out. I've been beaten. I've been torn. Uh, my flesh is falling off my body. My blood is pouring out because that is love. Because me, for you, this is love. And I'm inviting you into this love. I'm coming to draw you after myself with my words and my life. And so as we are coming out of slavery and blindness, uh, we need Jesus to help us see. We need him to transform us uh, and in a lot of cases transform our desires. And the question is, will you trust him to do that? Will you remain in control and say, no, 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 I know what I need because I know what I desire and that's priority number one. Or will you in humility submit those desires to him and say, I feel this way, but I actually don't know that this is good, but you do. And you love me more than I could love myself, and so I'm gonna give this to you and ask you to do something with it. Will you share and trust your sexual desires with Jesus and all of your desires? Will you have conversations with him? Will you share that with him? Will you open yourself up to him and say, here's what is in here. Will you please lead me to something good? Will you please fan into flame the desires that are good and healthy that you have made me with? And would you change and would you mature and would you correct and would you uh, uproot the desires that are not healthy? That's, that's faith and faith is really hard. 
But pouring these desires into Jesus is the only place where those desires are never frustrated or wasted. So did Jesus experience sexual desire? This is crowd participation. Yeah, he did. Hebrews 4.15, it says, Our Jesus can sympathize with our weaknesses because in every respect he has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. And in the very next verse, you know what it says? Because he knows what it's like, you go to him. And you go to him with boldness. And you go to him with confidence and get ready to receive mercy and grace and the help that you need when you need it. Go to this Jesus. What will it look like? You know, I mean, we are all in... in different places. Everybody has different desires. Everybody has different backgrounds. Everybody has a different experience. So what will it look like when each one of us goes to Jesus and asks him to help cultivate our sexual desires? I don't know, because that answer is going to be different for every one of us. I know ultimately where it's going, because it's all going to the same place. But how will that play out in your day-to-day life? I don't know the answer to that. But what I do know is Jesus says, I love you more than anyone else could ever love you. And I have experienced every temptation that is common to man. And I have never sinned. And so if you will entrust me with your desires, I will take you on a journey that leads to freedom. That is his promise. That is his promise to us. And we can take it to the bank. And I want to say this too. Um, this is an ongoing process. If, if you were to place... Um, where you feel like, okay, I'm now at a place where I'm supposed to understand this and I'm supposed to submit these, these desires to him, even these unhealthy desires. Um, and then if I fall off the wagon and give in to these desires again, um, then he's gonna be ashamed and he's not gonna wanna see me. Um, that is a lie from the pit of hell. This is an ongoing process. This is not a, a shallow black and white, like Jesus just wants me to be better and stop sinning so I can stop getting on his nerves. No, no, no. this is about the lover of your soul, cultivating your heart and having union with you. And so what he wants is you to always come to him with what's really in here. And he knows that you are human. He knows that you are frail. He knows that you are made of dust. And what this is, is not a one-time exchange. This is an ongoing process over the course of your entire life. And he's saying, look, you don't ever have to be afraid because remember what I've done for you. My love is eternally fixed and it will never change. It will never diminish. So you can come to me all the time, every time with every desire that you have. And we can have a conversation where you are not afraid and you can trust that I am working all things together for your good. That is who this Jesus is. And this changes everything because in whatever I desire, I know that underneath it all, I'm really desiring him. And so that can remove the weight that I put on other people. You know, cultivating our, our desires um, is like cultivating a garden. You have to respect boundaries and you have, to, you have to practice discipline. Boundaries, certain plants need certain things. You can only plant, you can only prune at certain times of the year. There are boundaries. And this is what we have in God's word. There are boundaries for our our sexuality and its expression. And so as we operate in these boundaries, it also requires discipline. You can't just throw seeds in a garden and never come back and hope that they've grown into beautiful fruit. 
Um, it, it is a constant keeping. There's a constant gardening. There's a constant process of walking with Jesus for him to grow something beautiful in us. And so two disciplines that I would invite us to, and one we're going to practice here in just a second, but um, they're absolutely essential to this process of, of living life with Jesus and allowing him to cultivate our desires. The first is fasting. We have to practice telling our bodies and our flesh, no, I am not a slave to you anymore. I'm not a slave to my urges. I have a different master, one who is gentle and kind and good, and his name is Jesus, and it's not you. And so that's, that can be fasting from food. It can be fasting from drink. It can be fasting from shopping or a million other things. But to practice, to start to integrate the practice of fasting is absolutely essential as we grow in Christ. And the second practice that is absolutely essential to grow in Christ is this, to, to sit with Jesus in silence. Um, if you are partaking in our, our book club this summer, one of the books that we have is uh, Emotionally Healthy Relationships. And it's this kind of like bookends of your day, um, spending time with Jesus and, and just sitting in silence before you even open the word. Um, and I can't tell you how like life-giving that process has been to me. Um, but to learn how to sit quietly with Jesus because of all of the noise of all the other voices, including my own flesh, um, I have to, like this woman who goes into the chambers, like this is where the building of intimacy happens is in this secret, quiet place, uh, the most intimate place with the lover of our souls. And now because of what Jesus has done for us on the cross, that place is in our own hearts. And so to steal away with him, to be quiet and to let him speak to us and speak over us and have a conversation with him, um, this is absolutely essential and so that's what we're going to do right now. Um, we're going to spend a few minutes uh, and just to be quietly in his presence. And I would encourage you not to try to make anything happen, but maybe more than speak, just listen. And for some of y'all, this is something that is very familiar. Some of y'all, this is brand new and might be very uncomfortable. Um, but again, I'm telling y'all, this is absolutely essential for growing in him. And so just spend time and and, and maybe a prompt would be to say, Lord, would you just draw me after you? Um, you decide what that looks like. You decide what, that, what I need to hear from you right now. Um, but just invite him to do that. Hey, thank you all for worshiping with us today. There's like a million things I want to say about this. Um, but one more thing I want to say is, remember, the, the three directions we can take this, and think about this in terms of, of the garden that we're cultivating in our souls. Uh, you can ignore it, um, and you can not have a garden. Uh, you can indulge it and have a garden full of weeds that is unhealthy and, and broken, or we can continue to bring this to Jesus as we live within the boundaries, um, as we are disciplined, and, and part of that discipline is pulling weeds. Um, and I want to just give you all this practice of, of confessing lust, confessing sin with a curiosity and not with a fear. To go to your Jesus and, and to tell him about the things that you want to do that you know are contrary to him and the things that you have done that you know are contrary to him and, and be curious about those things. What am, I, what am I desiring? What am I after? And as you learn about those things, I, I promise you, he will lead you to him.
and he will lead you to a deeper satisfaction in him. Um, and we get to be on that journey together. And I'm thankful that we don't have to do that alone. So receive now this benediction from Psalm 145. He fulfills the desire of those who fear him. He fulfills the desire of those who fear him, and he also hears their cry and saves them. Go in peace.